there's an old proverb and neuroscience really has proven this that says watch your thoughts they become your words watch your words they become your action watch your action they become your habits watch your habit they become your character watch your character it becomes your destiny everything starts with a thought this is the begin within podcast where we believe real lasting health and fitness requires you to start inside before you work out. I'm your host, Nate Slegger, and I'm here to show you behind the scenes of fitness. You already know exercise is good for you, but what about all the other things in life that affect your fitness? If you're looking for extra motivation to get started or to make sure you keep going, this is the place for you. Produced by BeginWithin.fit. If you are working on getting healthier, losing weight, improving your fitness, whatever it is, but you have this feeling that you should be getting better results, you're just not sure what you might be doing wrong. Well, I want to tell you, you are not alone. And that is the very reason why I wrote my latest book. Five Ways You're Wrecking Your Weight Loss, so that you can take a look at five of the most common reasons I see that people aren't getting the results that they deserve for all their hard work. Just five really quick fixes that can get you headed toward the results that you want. Check it out. You can download it by going to beginwithin.fit, clicking on the ebook button, or clicking on the link in the show notes. Check out my book. Let me know what you think. My guest today is Elizabeth Lewis. She is a performance neuropsychotherapist. And I talked to her about what exactly does that mean? Here's my understanding. She is a psychotherapist and also a high-performance coach. So she works with high performers to help them to achieve even more in their desired field or industry. And she is here today with us to help us to address some of the psychology around, or I should say maybe behind, becoming better versions of ourselves, right? Higher performing versions of who we are. And that's why we're here on the Begin Within podcast, right? We are here to become better versions of ourselves through making changes that are going to positively impact our health and wellness. In other words, we're here to become high performers. So who better to have on than someone who specializes in helping others to get to a higher level in their field, in their sport, or in their industry. And we're going to pick her brain on some of the the psychology behind what it takes to get to a higher level. And of course, we're going to find things, I'm sure, we're going to find things that are going to help us in the realm of health and fitness as we talk with her. So there's three areas that I want you to listen for, as always, three things that I want you to listen closely for. First of all, she's going to talk about how we are all going to have problems 
I think that's such a valuable piece of our interview. It's maybe not one that um, maybe readily will jump out to you. But for me, after after we spoke, it was something that stuck with me. And it's this, this idea that we are going to have problems. And um, the best thing that we can do then is be ready for them. So listen closely when she talks about that. That'll come up as we talk about the five Uh, steps of change around that conversation. So when you hear that, boom, really tune in and listen for her, her take on, on problems and how to, how to really expect them and prepare best for them. We're also going to talk about neuroplasticity. We've talked about that on the show before, and it's definitely present almost in all of our episodes, but I loved having her here describe the process because it's something that we have to be aware of. And when we know what's taking place, it helps us to have, I think, more confidence as we make adjustments and even as we address what is happening inside our our mind and our brain in this process of making improvements. And then finally, the, the big thing that we focus on is the power of words, the power of words, the words that that you say to yourself, and of course, the words that, that come out of your mouth and how we can begin to learn about what's going on inside of us by listening more closely to the words that that we are saying. So pay close attention when we start talking about words. She's going to talk about our own personal narrative and what we can learn from it. So Here's my interview with Elizabeth Lewis. Enjoy. I did not have a very easy childhood like most people. I mean, 70% of Americans have faced trauma. Um, My childhood was unfortunately one that was really difficult because my brother's a psychopath. So he tried killing me my entire childhood, like literally. Um, And so I ended up moving out at 16 after almost dying from an eating disorder. And I I became a professional model at age 15. And so things just kind of went downhill really quickly. I ended up getting a little bit further in the acting and production world. So I got my undergraduate in production uh, in television production. Um, right as I'm getting my diploma, I'm like, I don't want to do this. This is like torture for me. I don't, I don't want to, this isn't enjoyable. I mean, I'd done it for like 10 years at this point. And so I'm, I'm, I'm moving to South Africa for one last production stint to do a wildlife documentary. And while there, I just got a lot of clarity. I realized my childhood was messed up. I realized this is not what I wanted to do. And so I went to therapist after therapist after therapist to change myself. No one could tell me how to change. They were more so fascinated with the crap that I had overcome. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, great, cool. I don't care about that. So I was sitting next to church. I was sitting in church, I'm sorry. And a woman next to me, um, I felt like I should talk to her. So I was like, hey, and she was getting her master's in positive psychology. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do that because if therapist can't fix me, I'll fix me. And so long story short, I ended up being really good at, um, cause this was really just a degree to get kind of more of coaching and understand positive psychology and stuff like that. I ended up being really good at it naturally. So my professors gave me their extra clients that they couldn't take on. And so I started kind of building a, a name for myself and I'm the type of person who's, um, always wants to face my fears. Most of my family died when I was a little kid. I kind of have this belief that if I can survive a psychopath, I was almost attacked by a lion in Africa. And so I survived that too. And I just really wanted to be the best I could. I was tired of fear letting me, um, holding me back. And so I started learning about 
neuroscience. And when I started to understand like neuroscience and for me, my faith's important and my faith and psychology and bringing it together, I started to see that my neurology and psychology was changing and I was quickly overcoming things from kind of putting all those elements together. And then I just became passionate about it and decided to help other people. So I got my second graduate degree in clinical mental health so I can be a therapist. And now the rest is kind of history. And I just really prefer working with highly ambitious people versus people who just want to sit in their pity. I just don't care to listen to that. It, it, why Why is that? I'm curious. Like, Why are people that are highly ambitious not sitting in their pity? Well, I mean, I, I can say globally, what I've seen is the biggest difference is some people are just more task oriented. I mean, that's the temperament thing. And some people are more relationship oriented. And within that temperament, you have some temperaments that are just a little bit more stricken with fear than others. Um, I have a belief that if you can do it, I can do it. I might need to take like 10 years to learn the skills, but I'm willing to do that. And so that's the next piece is most people aren't willing to help themselves. And you cannot help anyone who does not want to help themselves. You just can't. But highly ambitious people usually have A, obviously the ambition, B, they have the endurance, and C, they have the intellect to kind of put all those pieces together to move forward. Not gotcha. always, because you can have a closed-minded, highly ambitious person, by all means. Got it. Got it. Hmm. So tell me more about the people that aren't willing to help themselves. I mean, I know, I know that's the people that you don't tend to work with. We already mentioned that, but how, how, do, how do they show up? Like... I'm curious if, you know, someone's listening and they're like, that could be me. Like, how would, how would they know? Well, first off, if you're having that thought, I think that would be a first indication that that might be you. And I guess I should also articulate maybe my bias here. Um, so when you think of a traditional therapist, I think people don't really see therapists specializing in something. And so they kind of allow anyone to come into their, their room. I'm just really particular who I work with because I don't take insurance and I have a private practice. And so I'm, wa I'm wanting the people who have already gone through the process of change. You have to remember that there's five steps for change. And so, I mean, I get it. Like I, I had so much trauma in my childhood that it took me a while to realize, A, I had an issue because you don't know what you don't know. I mean, mm -hmm. if you grow up in an abuse and neglect and with a narcissistic family, then that's normal to you, right? And if you're more comfortable being beaten or abused, that's going to be a normalcy to you. So I think sometimes it takes a while for our brain to understand it. But some people, some people just can't handle criticism. Some people aren't tough minded. Some people are, 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 again, stricken with the fear and just don't have the courage or the willingness to face it. And it, it not not to say that it's going to be forever be that way, but you have to start making little changes to open yourself up because at the end of the day, nobody is making it out of your life. Nobody. And what we've learned both in neuroscience, psychology, and even spirituality is you work to create your most dominant thoughts. So some people are just going to be naturally more pessimistic. And that pessimism is going to not allow you to learn the cognitive skills you have to learn if you really want to maintain an optimistic mindset. Mm. Man, I have so, I have so many questions. <laughs> I, we didn't talk about this when we were prepping, but the five oh. stages of change, five yeah. steps for change that you mentioned. Yeah, um, and I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot. We could, I could always have you come back and we could talk about that, but w what, what are they or which ones do you feel like are the most important for someone to start shifting out of allowing fear to be in control versus facing fear? 
Well, you know, at the end of the day, what I've learned before I kind of get into um, that, that, that monologue, I guess I would say is your narration will make or break you. At the end of the day, you have absolute control over the narration you hear and the meaning you make out of things. Um, one thing that I didn't realize as a kid that I'm very clear of now is you are going to have problems for the rest of your life, especially if you are breathing and especially if you have people in your life. That's just that's just like a 100% guarantee. <laughs> so if you can learn to take these problems as challenges, so much changes. The other thing too is a lot of people who um, maybe don't want to change typically have low self-esteem or un- feel unworthy you have to remember that your worth is a constant and nobody can say you're worthy or unworthy because the fact of the matter is you're here, you're worthy. That is a constant. Now, whether you feel it or not, that's different and you can work to change it. Um, but as for the steps of change, first we have pre-contemplation, then we have contemplation, then we have determination, then we have action. And sometimes in between action and the final stage of maintenance, we have a relapse. But so first you want to like kind of think about, think about changing, right? And then you really think about the change and then you get determined to do it. And then you actually take action and they're all going to be processes. It's almost like grief. It's not necessarily going to be a linear stage because if you're a type A individual, for instance, like I am, then you hate being uncomfortable. You just hate it. You will do everything in your power to not be uncomfortable. And so sometimes there's a stage of where it's like, okay, we have to kind of have exposure therapy and normalize that somatic sensation of discomfort. You just have to acknowledge that as long as you're alive on earth, you're going to have emotional pain, physical pain, and all the other types of pain, but it's not going to last. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I, better. Yeah. As you were talking type A, like that you don't like being uncomfortable. I was like, I think I don't, none of us do. Right. Like that's just, yeah. But it's worse when you struggle with perfectionism. So the the mm. you have to remember that perfectionism and type A, they're all neuroses. Now, school teaches us to become type A. Some latch on, some don't. Some are a little bit more wired to be that way. But when you struggle with perfectionism, you have fear of discomfort and fear of failure are your top biggest fears that keep you consumed in that neurose. Gotcha. So, yeah, okay. it's just, you know, it's it's a little exacerbated for some people and not for others. Could you tell us about neuroplasticity and you know, what I guess more like physiologically is happening as we're thinking about thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, I can. So neuroplasticity is a really big word. That just means doing something new, learning something new at the end of the day. I mean, it's, it's a really big word with a very simple process. So neuroplasticity is the brain rewiring its itself, if you will. So the best way to explain this is kind of through traffic, right? Like we all have a dominant path. We we drive to the gym at the end of the day, right? It's t- that typical path we're always going to take that's default. Well, when we want to implement neuroplasticity at some point, what we're what we're really saying is, okay, I don't like how I'm doing things. So I need to start to suffocate and starve those neurons that are taking me down that pathway. And so you want to put blocks. And so just imagine, you know, driving to your gym, going that normal path, and all of a sudden you have to be detoured because of road work or car accident or what have you. That's really what you're doing. So a, a simple example of neuroplasticity and how quickly it, it can happen is if you're right-handed, start brushing your teeth left-handed. That's going to create neuroplasticity by default. I now, it. I know, right? It is awkward, <laughs> but... It, 
neuroplasticity at the end of the day for that maintenance and that change to actually occur is going to come down to your attention, your effort, and your focus, because it's all about repetition. I don't like to use this example because I have gotten a lot of adversity back at me, and typically people miss the point when they give me the adversity, but it's something we've all lived, which is those COVID masks. But when we were told to wear the mask, unless you were really, really afraid of getting sick, a lot of us would forget in the beginning stages of that mask, right? Like, I don't know if you did this, but I'd go up to the store and be like, oh, I got to go get my mask, right? And I'd walk back. And so if you, you know, if you isolate that whole situation, how did they teach us? There was billboards, there was radio advertisements, it was on the television. You were constantly hearing it because you have to remember what you consume in the external world is training your brain. And so they trained us and you have to do that exact same principle to become the way you want to live. Because if you aren't intentional with your thoughts, then you're never going to make a life you really love. Yeah. Wow. So using that kind of that analogy, um, what would you recommend as the best way for someone to get started kind of training their thoughts or, or is it more about adjusting their environment first? What, what's the best first step from your perspective on helping someone to kind of begin mastering their, their mindset? So I'm going to make the assumption so far, the person has like very minimal awareness. So if you have minimal awareness, the first thing you need to do is get an accountability buddy to help you identify your words because words matter. Words matter mm. so much more than people think, because this is what I see a lot of the times. I want to be a millionaire. And then two days later there, I'm, I'm, I'm poor. I'm going to be a loser. I'm, I can never do it. Right. And so we're constantly contradicting ourselves or a man like I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling amazing. Oh, I have a source of, I'm, I'm sick. Right. And we know that sick people think about sick stuff all the time, mm. right? So they get sick a little bit more. And so the first thing you got to figure out is what are what are you saying? Because there's an old proverb and neuroscience really has proven this that says, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your action. Watch your action, they become your habits. Watch your habit, they become your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. Everything starts with a thought. When you get a headache, when you get when you get stuff, typically it's a thought first. There's always the exception to the rule. But if you're like angry at your spouse or and you feel that somatic sensation, there was a thought there before that somatic sensation came. Might be unconscious, but nonetheless, it's there. And so if you can start paying attention to your words, you can start to pay attention. Are you more avoidance with your thinking, meaning you're more negative? You're saying, I... I'm leaving my house because I want to get away from the music or are you more approach positive, which is I'm leaving my house to go to the country to have some peace and quiet because that's going to shift your focus and your perspective. So you have to figure out where are you? Are you a little bit more negative right now? Because if you're negative, that ain't good. And we've got to work on that. And then the second thing is get clear. Like, what do you want to do? Because you have to train your brain to do it. And then you have to go against your bodily sensations to do it sometimes. And that is the discipline piece at the end of the day. Got it. So first noticing words, and I, I guess my interpretation of that would be words are our the easiest way for us to start maybe hearing our thoughts rather mm -hmm. than just becoming aware of them as they're floating around in our head. Yeah. And then after we notice that we need to make a change, we need to get clear on the change that we want to make. And how willing are you to do the work? Because that's the other thing. Don't lie to yourself. If you, like, I remember for the last 10 years, I've been working really hard for a six pack, super hard for it. I'm finally almost there. I'm really proud of myself. But if 
I remember at first, like there was so much I wasn't willing to do. And some of it was like, you just didn't know, like, I'm still learning myself. And here's the other thing. If you want to get a great body, you've got to get rid of that self-hatred because that self-hatred is going to destroy your serotonin levels. And then everything is off and it's going to be difficult to get that, that physical stature. And so I just was willing to do everything and constantly recalibrate and constantly learn and constantly grow. And I would not speak like, oh, I don't have it because I don't know if you have noticed this with women in the gym. A lot of the times they're constantly focusing on their fat. They're like, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat. Well, guess what? If you keep saying you're fat, you're never going to see yourself as thin. Never. I used to do it. I almost died from an eating disorder. Used to do it all the time. I decided back seven years ago to stop calling myself fat. And when I broke up with that attachment and that security statement within me, things started to change because I started getting a little bit clearer of a perspective because our reticular activity system sits on the stem of your, of your, um, the base of your brain. I'll say it that way. And it's going to highlight all the stimuli you put in it. So if you see yourself as fat, then your brain's gonna be like, Oh, look at that. Like, you know, I don't know, smallest little fat roll ever. That's really just skin, right? You just, your brain will magnify whatever you focus on. And so you have to be congruent. If you want to be an amazing person and a loving person, then you have to recite that to yourself a few times so that you can show up that way. Sometimes there's a there's a gap between planting that seed of what you want and then taking the time to put action behind it and getting comfortable before you're actually going to see like, oh, this is really going to happen. But that means you've got to go through faith, if you will, like blindly trusting the process before you're really going to see results sometimes. If that makes sense. Might have yeah. No, I, 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 I love it. I align so much with, with that. I think that's one of the themes from our conversation is words matter. Thoughts yeah. matter. Yeah. yeah. Huge. It's amazing. Thank you. What, what's the best way for people to, to follow your work, get in touch with you? And I know we have a, a freebie for them to access. Tell us about that. Yeah. So it is a workbook that helps you identify your core values. And if you're really wanting to change your life, oh my goodness, knowing your values are so important because we need to be making decisions with our values, not our somatic sensations or our feelings because our feelings can lie to us 100%. And those core values don't ever really lie to us because they're objective. And so you want to start training your brain to move on objective information and not that like subjective um, sensation. And so you can get that at elizabethlewis.com backslash um, value dash packet. But if you want to follow me, um, I'm probably more heavy on Instagram. Um, I post more on Instagram than anything else, but um, all of my handles are at Elizabeth Lewis coaching. And then you okay. can always find me at elizabethlewis.com. Okay. Awesome. Cool. We'll put some links for people to connect with you. Elizabeth Lewis, thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you. All right, we are going to have links in the show notes. They are there already. They're waiting for you so that you can follow Elizabeth's work. You can connect with her on Instagram, on her website. And we have a link to that free download all about core values and how important it is to give attention to those in order for you and me to continue to move forward in getting to a healthier place, a higher a higher level of performance when it comes to health and wellness. So check out those links. Please connect with her. Uh, give her some feedback, uh, positive feedback on on her time here on the episode here with us on the Begin Within podcast. And I want to express my gratitude once again to Elizabeth Lewis for being here 
with us. Now, a couple things I want to revisit that we talked about. First of all, the idea of neuroplasticity. I can't overemphasize the importance of understanding a little bit about it when it comes to making improvements in the 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 versions of ourselves that we are neuroplasticity what it means really is that we can change our brains we can change our brains we can change physically what's going on inside of inside of our skulls by being intentional and really when when we think about it and just like elizabeth talked about in our interview those changes are happening every single day anyway uh, pathways are getting reinforced. Maybe they're pathways that you don't want to be going down, right? Maybe there are connections between the cells in your brain that you don't want to be happening. Uh, for example, when it comes to habits that, that we practice that might not be serving us. Every time that we take those actions, we practice that habit, even if it's one that we think, oh, this isn't serving me, right? Or I wish I didn't do this, but here I go again. Every time we do it, it gets more reinforced, right? The connection between the cells in the brain that are making that all happen gets stronger every time we go down that pathway. And so we have to appreciate that. And put some intention into reinforcing the connections and creating new connections in order to develop habits and practices in life that do serve us. Or even just ways of thinking that serve us in helping us to become the versions of ourselves that we want to be when it comes to health and fitness. But what the science behind neuroplasticity helps us to understand is that we can to a large extent, control what's happening. We have some influence in what is going on inside of our brains. And when we are in the process of making intentional changes in that, kind of accessing, taking advantage of the fact that our brain is ever-changing, when we have some intentional some intentionality and some influence in the process. Amazing things happen. We change our brains. We can change who we are. And that is, I don't know about you, but for me, that is just mind-blowing. I love to talk about it, and I love to think about it. And I want to make sure that we are on the same page, you and me, when it comes to the fact that we need, since the the power is there, right? We have access to it, then we have a responsibility to be intentional about it. We have a responsibility to access it and put some effort into it. And I know that is why you are here. Probably I'm preaching to the choir right now (laughs) as you listen. But every time I think about it, it just fires me up, you can tell. It encourages me to stay in the process of making these changes. You can do it. It's there. You have the hardware and the software within you to make it possible. So thank you so much for taking that responsibility seriously and working on it and realizing that the end result, the results that you want, the results that 
that you came here for, whatever it is, weight loss, lower blood pressure, lower cholesterol, whatever, whatever the thing is, you want better health, you're here, realize that that requires changes in your brain, the same type of changes that Elizabeth is helping her high-performing clients to make in order to reach even higher levels of performance. It's there. It's there for us to access. And then, of course, words, the power of words to start listening. We've talked, and I I know I've said this before, as I'm saying it right now, it sounds so familiar to me, but uh, we have talked so many times about the voices in our heads, right? Different voices, the different words that we choose, the words that come most readily to us, the ones that we habitually grab onto and use to tell our story, they have power. The ones we choose have power to, of course, not just explain how we're, how we're feeling, how we're thinking, and what's happening to us. But having chosen those words, as we talked about in the interview, they're now going to exert an influence on not just explaining the past or the present, but they'll exert an influence on the future as our brains grab onto other things that reflect the type of language that we've used already to tell our narrative. Because we want to, we want to not be hypocrites, right? We want to, we want to have told the truth, right? I'm feeling terrible. Well, now I'm going to go find things that prove that I'm feeling terrible, you know. And, and again, we talked about that in the interview. I don't want to take too much time on it, but I want each of us. I want to do this for myself as well. Moving forward from this conversation, to pay closer attention to the words that we're choosing, to the words that we're using. And it can be hard to do that as those are just bouncing around inside of our brains, right? To grab onto a thought and think about the words that are, that are there behind it. But what we can do is pay close attention to the words that are coming out of our mouth because they started as thoughts. And Elizabeth mentioned this, get somebody to help. Get somebody to help listen. Someone that you trust or a coach that can help you who's trained to listen. I mean, that's a big part of what we do, whether we, we are nutrition coaches, fitness coaches, high performance coaches. We listen. We listen to language. We are keen observers, keen listeners, and that is a big way that others can support you. But it could just be a friend, a family member, someone you trust. Hey, when I use words that are really, really negative about myself, could you please just kindly point that out to me? Here's what I'd love for you to say to me that's really going to help me kind of snap out of it and take note of those words. And then, of course, our job when we see them pop up is to start changing. Start changing the narrative from negative over into positive. Because when we start speaking positively, we'll start acting positively. We'll take better care of ourselves and we will continue to work on improving our health, fitness, and wellness, and becoming better versions of ourselves because we took the process that's going on inside very seriously, right? We did the begin within thing. We did it the begin within way. And that, of course, is why we're here. I wish you well on that, on that journey, on the 
journey within, the introspection that that takes, and the effort. And I hope that this episode was valuable for you. What I would love for you to do, if you haven't done so already, is just follow, of course, follow the podcast, and then rate this podcast. And then sometimes I know writing a review, I'm asking you to write a review, that can be really daunting. Oh my goodness, I... I don't know what to say. Here's what you could do for me is tell me in your review of the podcast what you loved about this episode, why this episode resonated with you, what you're going to take with you from this episode. Just put that in the review. Go for it. I would love to see those. And of course, if you want to continue the conversation, give me some feedback on this episode or some ideas for future episodes, things that would really serve you in your pursuit of better health and fitness by beginning within, what you could do is just send me a message on Instagram. Uh, there's a link in the show notes or you can get me there at Nate Slager. Um, connect with me there. Let me know how I can continue to support you. That's it for me today. I want to thank you so much once again for sharing some time and attention with me. And I will talk to you next time here on the Begin Within podcast.